There's so much magic and and really I want to go back to how spiritual it is that one feels calmer. We feel safer, we feel more connected to not just nature but ourselves and others. There are so many pieces of the ocean that are special. It's kind of undefinable. Welcome to the third season of the Good Tidings Podcast, where we highlight and inspire a community of givers with your host, the founder of the Good Tidings Foundation, Larry Harper. It is a pleasure to be in Manhattan Beach for this episode of the Good Tidings Podcast for a visit with my friend Chris Permissio. Chris is the founder and executive director of the International Surf Therapy Organization, so-called ISTO. So welcome to the Good Tidings Podcast. Thank you, Larry. It's so nice to see you and be with you. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you. So we first met about three years ago following my dementia diagnosis, where I was really looking for a better path for my health, and you welcomed me into your community. So first of all, thank you so much for that. Well, you have this light and aura about you, and I think what was so lovely is how, I know this word is overused, organic, but it really felt as if I'd known you for a very long time. And I had the pleasure of reading your book, which you had so graciously sent me. So there was this sort of, I don't know, kismet, I've known you. You felt like Ohana family. You felt like my Ohana immediately. So it was easy to welcome you. And I think you were well-received as you were the first speaker at our first ever public conference. So yes, thank you for doing that. So first, let's start out. Just tell us a little bit about the mission of ISTO. ISTO's mission has been sort of evolving, but essentially been the same. We are promoting evidence-based, inclusive, safe surf therapy. And we know the pathway to do so is to grow the sector. So by growing the sector, we have become this umbrella organization that has been a resource and a connector. You know, we are here to serve the sector. And in doing so, we have podcasts like this. We have webinars. We actually launched last year the first ever ISTO working groups, which again, Larry, you were a guest on. Thank you for doing that. And that targeted individual organizations based on populations they served so we could have workshops, like monthly workshops. And then we also have our annual conference, which of course, in 2019, we brought about 250 people together, which was significant by itself. Of course, 2020, we pivoted as everyone did and went online, but there was another 300 people who gathered online for that. And last year, we had the real pleasure of going to Cornwall in the UK. The WAVE Project actually hosted the ISTO conference for us in 2021. And again, we had another 250 people in person and available online. So that was really special. It was the first time we offered both, which of course now going forward, we have to always do because it was just much more successful. And in a time of COVID, which we still seem to be living in, adapting and and being there for everybody. I mean, we're international, you know, it's not always possible for anybody to get wherever we are, regardless of where we go. And we do have intentions to move the conference every year. So yeah, I think inclusivity 
right? Uh, bringing people together. It's, it's all about that. And we want more voices at the table. We want to hear what's happening in the Philippines or South Korea or Germany. I mean, I didn't even know there was surfing in Germany. Panama, all of South America. I mean, there's surfing everywhere. So really special. So I, yes, our mission, bringing everybody together and serving the sector. And who or what group is the most common recipient or beneficiaries from the good work that people are doing in surf therapy? Do you mean which group is serving the most people? Well, you know, like I, I know there's a lot of help in the PTSD veteran world. Oh, which uh, population? Yeah, or, or autism for children. What are the most common beneficiaries? Sure. Well, I love this question because the ISTA working groups were based on populations served and they were broken up by five working groups. So we had vulnerable youth. We had adults healing from trauma. We actually combined veterans and first responders because much of what ails them is so similar. PTSD, as you mentioned, suicidal tendencies, anxiety, stress, homelessness. And our last category was those with mental and physical disabilities. I would say, actually, we just did a survey. So 47% of the organizations serve youth from disadvantaged communities or developing regions. So that's by far the highest volume of population being served are underserved and underprivileged and marginalized communities in the youth community. Much of what you serve through good tidings. So yeah. Yeah. Similar. And why is it the ocean? Why is the ocean the hook and the key and the healer? Larry. I know we don't only have 30 minutes. Yeah. But. <laughs> Are you kidding? How But but why why is that and and, and I, I mean I know why because I just have that feeling inside, but there is definitely science, some scientifically based facts. Well, absolutely. That's becoming more and more prominent as we continue to grow, as ISTO continues to grow. Part of being a contributor to ISTO is collecting research or data. And yes, we know through Jay Nichols and Blue Mind that being in and around near on or underwater makes us happier and healthier. I think that there are Lucky for us, decades and decades of research out there that has proven the health benefits in being in nature and being physically active. So I'm not we're really not reinventing the wheel, but as a surfer, as a Hawaiian, I think I'm a little bit biased in how special the ocean is and how healing it is. It's spiritual. You know, and I think a lot of people who go to their nature in the mountains would say the same kind of experiences that they're they're feeling. But it's that sense of you're a little bit scared, you're a little bit nervous. And when you're a little bit scared and you're a little bit nervous, it brings us to a place I think that we should always be in, which is presence. We are very present when we're alert to our health and wellness and safety, right? We're very present. And it's such a beautiful thing that the ocean can give us that in its most natural state, literally. You are just so, you're there, you can't think about anything else. Many call this flow state. You don't want to think about anything else and you are fully consumed in the activity in which you are partaking in. So there's all of that and there's science behind it, but I have to say it's as much the dolphins and the seals and even the sharks, which I have surfed near, and whales and sea otters and the seabirds that fly all around us at all times when we're out there. There's so much magic. And and really, I want to go back to how spiritual it is that one feels calmer 
we feel safer. We feel more connected to not just nature, but ourselves and others. There are so many pieces of the ocean that are special. It's kind of undefinable. Yeah. It really is, right? Yeah. And then I, because I dove into it after I met you, even deeper than the obvious and found out all the ions and minerals that are in ocean water, which is every positive supplement you could put in your body that people take supplements all day long. It is in ocean water naturally. And then when you're out there doing a physical activity, your mouth is open. You are drinking ocean water. There is no way around. All your pores. Yeah. And you're it's, so drinking it in. It is really an interesting, and the coldness of the water and the nature. And this, it's, it's just this perfect package for it some really reason. Is. It seems that other countries certainly are at the forefront of this being an accepted medical practice more so than here at this point still. I mean, I know there's some doctorates coming and being recognized practitioners and, and whatnot. So hence, the international piece is big. It really is. And you are referring actually to the UK. So Jamie Marshall actually has finished his PhD, which is really, talk about groundbreaking. I mean, it's the first ever PhD in surf therapy. So we have a doctor of surf therapy and of all places, he is in Scotland. And then yes, three years ago, the WAVE project received a significant grant from BBC Children in Need. And through that grant and the NHS, which of course we don't have here in the United States, but the National Health Service, they now prescribe surf therapy specifically to the WAVE project. And it is supplemented financially and covered, which is of course our big dream. Our vision is universal acceptance through insurance. And there is something about acceptance when insurance says, oh yeah, we'll cover this. But what's really special is that the WAVE Project has now broken that barrier. And we see now funding coming in, the NHS supporting that, and doctors now prescribing it, which is our big dream. And ultimately, it would be prescription, and right thereafter would be insurance covering it. So... It is not universal yet, but there are a lot of doctors out there individually that absolutely will tell their, I mean, you're an example of that, right? Get to water, get in the water. You do these cold swims and body surfing. I mean, get to water, you know, and Jay, Jay says that all the time, right? Yeah. Jay Nichols, that is blue mind. Just get to water. And he isn't as biased as surfers are, right? I My water is ocean, but Jay will say, take an intentional shower, yeah. just get to water, river, lake, you know, so. Yeah, people should know that this International Surf Therapy Organization is a staff of one, which you are, which is mind-boggling to even wrap my head around that. But what are the biggest challenges? You know, you've got it to this point. What now are your biggest challenges you're facing? I always say that as an NGO or, or nonprofit in our case, you go through growing pains, but we are getting sort of beyond the terrible twos. And I recognize that. So, I mean, fundraising, I, any nonprofit will tell you fundraising is a huge barrier that we all have to climb over. And I think it's not sustainable that we are, that ISTO is, that is a staff of one that's not sustainable. So I think that that's another thing is working on a board that fully supports 
our mission and vision, and then of course can help with the fundraising end of it so that I am not the only staff member. Because again, any nonprofit, including Good Tidings, will tell you a staff of one can only last for so long. And God forbid actually something were to happen to me. It's not that there aren't a lot of people who care very much about ISTO. They do, but they also are running their own nonprofits. Our contributors are made up of founders and CEOs of other nonprofits. So it's been really important to me to build a board that understands the healing powers and therapeutic benefits of surfing, but they are not actually running surf therapy programs or any other NGO because I need their focus on ISTO. So, and taking tips from my mentor, Larry Harper, <laughs> who has given me so much advice. You've, you have given me so much advice, words of wisdom in your success and career. So yeah, I'm, I'm following in those footsteps. I mean, fundraising is always number one, but also building a board. And I, during our working groups, we had a lot of conversations, even, you know, these smaller NGOs talked about that. Like, how do I build board members? And then how do you get board members who are actually committed? Because when you tell them about what it is, they're very excited. And that's a different thing, as you know, to get them to actually move yeah. with intention and action. Yeah. So. It sounds simple, but it's also the board member has to have your best interests too, not only the charity, but the founders, because that vision just can't be changed, you know, the, what happened before you and what, you know, that sort of thing. So I think that's very important. So my next question really for you is what drove you into this line of work? Oh boy. I love this question. So I started surfing in 2011 feels like a long time ago now, but I was 41 at the time. So I know that that's pretty unique, but the one thing that I have always done my entire life is volunteer, volunteerism. And the year that I started surfing, I started volunteering at surf therapy programs. It made the most sense. I have always volunteered around youth specifically and homeless. And I've really enjoyed that. A friend of mine actually introduced surf therapy to me that took place right here in Manhattan Beach with an organization called the Jimmy Miller Memorial Foundation. And it was sort of like I found my people. I found what I want to do in all of my spare time. If it wasn't surfing, I wanted to go out and surf with these young kids from groups like JMMF, which is short for Jimmy Miller Memorial Foundation, worked at the time with eight different at-risk youth groups or foster care homes. And I would say as much as 80% of them had never been to the beach, which for those of your fans that are listening here in Manhattan Beach, you know, it's LA County. And a lot of these programs or a lot of these homes are in LA County as close as 20 minutes away. And of course, as far as an hour away. But there was a great understanding for this idea of who is nature made for. They didn't go to the beach because transportation wasn't available. And even if they did come to the beach, could they afford expensive wetsuits and surfboards and surf instructors? No. And 98.5% of our surf therapy programs are NGOs or nonprofits. So they deliver their services for free. So I had the real privilege of working with JMMF, and about five years later, 
I mean, maybe not ironic at all. And maybe I don't believe in that, that there are any coincidences because it was a month after my father, my dear hero father passed, that I was asked to take on sort of program manager position as my wonderful mentor, Carly Rogers, who was the a co-founder of JMMF and had written her dissertation or had written a paper about surf therapy back in 2002. So back even then, you know, her professor was like, nobody's going to let you, no parent is going to let you take your kids, the kids to the beach and go on surfboards. I mean, little did that professor know. But so Carly was about to go have her second baby and had asked if I would take over on the beach. And I don't, you know, I don't know what transpired. Sometimes I, I say my dad sent it to me. Sometimes I wonder why she chose me. I mean, I'm, I have a lot of fun on the beach. I am pretty loud. I'm pretty outgoing. I definitely connect to kids, but for whatever reason, I was asked to do that in 2016. So I took over running all of the beach sessions. And that also included sessions at Camp Pendleton with the Wounded Warrior Battalion, which is really special when you're working with active duty military. We also work, our JMMF also works with the LA VA. So we were also working with veterans here in Los Angeles, really special. And gosh, at the beginning of 2017, Carly had decided to officially retire. And I then was asked to literally take over. And then by the end of 2017, we were asked to join a small group of people in Cape Town, South Africa. And at that time, I don't think any of us knew what we were doing or why we were even there, but it was a really special week and this workshop of individuals serving different continents. We had people from Portugal and Spain and Australia and New Zealand, and of course, Africa and here in the United States. And we got together, we co-founded the International Surf Therapy Organization. And then a short nine months later, we had our next gathering in Jeffreys Bay, South Africa. And at that time we had doubled in size. So we went from eight surf therapy programs working with ISTO to now 16. And by the end of 2018, the board just said, look, we need somebody to take the helm. We need somebody to steer this ship. And at that time, I used to say, Larry, I was the only person who hadn't started a surf therapy program. I had had the great luck of running a surf therapy program because Carly had decided to retire and, and be with her her beautiful children, but I didn't actually start one. So everybody in that room was a founder of a surf therapy program except for myself. And I used to, I think... We have a tendency, maybe this is a female thing, or maybe it's just my Hawaiian Filipino upbringing, we, trying to make ourselves smaller. And haha, for your audience, I'm 4'11", so making myself smaller <laughs> doesn't seem like possible, but I am pretty loud. So, But we, I tend to not really give myself any credit for being considered for the position. And the one thing I have now started to reconcile with over the past couple of years is celebrating the achievements that have come through ISTO and through the people I have met and the grace of God and help from beautiful humans like yourself and really accept that so much of our success has been because I have steered it that way and I have made these decisions and choices and have beautiful people behind me who want to help in any way that they can. So yeah, I, of course, 
happily accepted that honor and really took over basically the beginning of 2019. So now we're going on three years here of me leading the ship. And I'm really proud. I'm really proud of where we've gone and and going from eight surf therapy programs to working now with over a hundred surf therapy programs. That's really special. It, it doesn't just tell you how incredible the sector is in the sense that it is growing, but it tells you that they want to get together. Our mantra is go far, go together. And they want to be a part of the global efforts of ISTO, not just what they're doing in their community. So it's really special. Yeah. And that's, you just brought up a point. What I love about the charitable niche that is surf therapy is the willingness for everyone to collaborate, you know, so every nonprofit, they don't see the others as competitors. You know, they're always trying to help and so unique that they're not competing for money. They're not competing for their angle, how they're going to do their business or what have you. So I I love that about the niche of of your world. Well, I think it's because it's an emerging field. So maybe we don't know better or not, but what we do know is that safety is at the forefront. And if we have the tools and techniques to keep everybody safe, we should absolutely share those. We should share them wildly with intentions to keep our participants or athletes safe. So I love that as well. I think it's one of my favorite things. This is an emerging field or an emerging sector where everybody says, no, I want to learn from the best of the best doing it and do better the first day. And I have to say programs that have been running for 17 years, 15 years, 10 years said they wish ISTO had been around (laughs) so that they could have received mentorship and just help. We want to give you know, evaluation tools away. We want to give programming away because we all want to do better. We want to better our practices. And we know that these conversations is part of that, you know, part of bettering what we're doing every day and keeping everyone safe. Yeah. So how hard is it to stay current with everything when you are the one entrusted with writing the so-called Bible for the world to reference. How hard is it to stay current and stay on it? And what's everybody doing? And how are these hundred people, these hundred organizations and the path they're going and leading? That must be a the biggest challenge, I'd imagine. It's a lot of Zoom calls. And that's way before COVID, by the way, as an international organization, I was always on Zoom. And, you know, I say this to everybody that I get to talk to. I am as the only paid again, for your, for your fans, I'm using air quotes, but paid staff member. And so I am the first point of contact. So it's actually quite a privilege to get, to be on the phone or zoom with individuals from all over the world, from six different continents who want to get started and want our help to get started and, or have been running their program for a couple of years, just found out about us and want to be a part of the global effort. So being that first point of contact means I kind of get to vet them. And I, and I don't mean, we do have a criteria to be a contributor. It's not just, oh, you're running a program. Obviously, you need to be insured. You need to be legally registered. We need to know that you're not taking the money kind of thing. And then you have to have safety protocol in place. So we do have a criteria. It's not just, I like you. <laughs> so you remember. So it's definitely not that. There is a criteria. But... I do get to be the first point of contact. So 
before everybody meets one another and now with our monthly working groups there people are meeting one another at the webinars people are meeting one another and obviously the annual conferences but i'm always the one in that room that knows everyone and i kind of love it and i also can't wait to share everyone with everyone else. So I always say to them, you have to come to the conference. I can't be the only one who gets to know you in person again over Zoom, but should know you and your work. So there's a lot of Excel spreadsheets to keep everybody, you know, like who's just onboarded, who's been with us, who were our founders. And I've got another Excel spreadsheet with people who are just getting started. And that's another thing is I do put them with other organizations in their region, either based on population served and or based on where they are located in the world. Sometimes it's just easier to go out and volunteer at a program or as many as you can. I, Gosh, I've been to now 14 different surf therapy programs around the world. And every single time I go to one, I learn something new. That's what's really special. You know, we're not Microsoft and Apple. We don't have this intellectual property that if you didn't spend a few hours at a program, you couldn't figure out how they're working. But there's more to it than that. And we want to ensure that people are are helping each other and embracing that. So I get to be the first point of contact. And because of that, I am just sort of maybe my Excel spreadsheets help me like remember everything. There's also social media, frankly. You know, a lot of the contributors are really good about tagging me and Isto, not me, but Isto. And so reminding me, oh yeah, I want to make sure we're reposting and we're we're shouting out and all that. And this year I have lofty goals for fundraising. Last year I met my goals. I actually exceeded them. And this year I have even loftier ones because I'd like to be able to sponsor a couple of programs this year coming to Southern California because definitely, again, NGOs running, nonprofits, I think every single one of them will tell you and have told us after our conferences that it was priceless for them. It encouraged them to keep going and all of the good feels, but there are just some people who financially would not be able to get to Southern California. And so we will definitely sponsor at least two groups this year. That's like part of the budget plans for fundraising. So, Yeah. So we're sitting here today in your apartment. We're a block <laughs> from the beach. We are one a of block. the most popular surf breaks in LA. I mean, how cool is that? That you start every morning walking down, hopping in the ocean, surfing, and then you end up thinking about how that experience can help others. I mean, that's very unique in a profession. When you say, yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, and even as a as a person of color, Hawaiian, Filipino, I do see my privileges, right? I can go down to my garage and grab the surfboard and walk to a very popular surf break and just be a part of nature. And going back to what I'd said earlier, who is nature made for? I do feel that surfing was so personal for me. I discovered it six months after my dad was diagnosed with cancer and went through that and of course still and now the loss of him in 2016 and i'm still experiencing the therapeutic benefits of being out there but as much as surfing means to me i surfed 349 days last year and the year before 355 i think it means so much to me but it never actually meant as much to me until i started to share it so when i started to share surfing with others it took on an, a whole nother meaning. And the, and what's so special is I can go volunteer to surf therapy program and feel like I surfed. 
you know, I didn't really surf, but I, the expressions on our participants, it's so contagious. It's so joyful. And I think, I think adults, especially working with adults, you know, we don't play enough. We would really don't play enough. And the definition of play is what we do when we're not being told what to do. So that freedom of just play. And so when you see adults and a lot of veterans and, and people who are double amputee, you know, like people who are blind, people who use wheelchairs on land, right? You see these different disabilities they have on land and then you get them in the ocean and we're all the same. You know, it is the great equalizer, right? It doesn't care about our age or the color of our skin or our sexual preferences or how much money we have or don't have. We are all the same once we get in that ocean. And so it's so, oh gosh, it's such a privilege. Like I can't think of a better word. I cannot believe the thing that I've loved so much and has healed and helped me personally, I get to spend every day sharing it, which is also a reason why working so hard is easy. And I, I get that from you. I see what you've done and how much it means to you to give back to so many people in the world. And, and for years, for you, you're 26 years? Mm -hmm. 26 years, congratulations. Good tidings and Larry Harper, that's amazing. I hope Isto is here for 26 years. That I mean, that's the dream. And, and that's another thing, right, is knowing that both you and I aren't, won't be here forever. So wanting to kind of leave a legacy that is sustainable and people can just step in and do it and, and continue the yeah. story. So yeah. yeah. What a, how lucky are Not we? Bad. How lucky are we? I do really, really want to next year. I'm putting it out there on your podcast. I really want to come be a part of the Christmas gifts, like yes. volunteering, yeah. just volunteer. I'm happy as a, as a little elf, you can make me an elf. I don't, whatever. I am happy. All to right. volunteer. You're already signed up. All right. Check. And I do want, you know, our friend Eddie Donnellan brought this up because people get intimidated by the word surfing, like, oh, a surfboard and standing up and oh, putting on a wetsuit and where do I park? And, uh, you know, surfing is going into the ocean, period. Whether you're swimming, jumping in a wave, bodyboarding, boogie boarding, hand playing, nothing, walking in the water and letting the waves splash at your knees. That is all surfing. So I want people to understand because I think they hear surfing and it's just not relatable. It is going into the ocean however you want to take it in. I always said that at the beginning when I was running the surf therapy sessions, that was the first thing I said. Well, besides falling is the first trick you learn because sort of putting people at ease, like that's the first trick you'll ever learn. And by the way, it's not just that. It's the first trick you'll master is falling. But the second thing I would always say is, by the way, standing up on your surfboard is not the measure of surfing. You have the honor of riding the breath of that wave and the life of that wave until it crashes on shore and returns back to the ocean where it belongs. And sometimes those waves come from thousands of miles away. So to have the honor of whether you're on your belly, your knees, your stomach with no board, with a board, it doesn't matter. And as you said, even just sitting on the sand where the ocean meets the land and it's lapping on top of you, that is still the breath of some a living, breathing thing that you get to be a part of. And so, yeah, I have always said that. Standing up is not the measure of surfing because we see competition surfing and, and what it looks like in the magazines and on TV. And everyone thinks, well, there's no way I can do that. And that's actually wonderful at surf therapy programs because 
a lot of the people will come down and say, there's no way I can surf. I don't know how to surf. A lot of people are like, I can't even swim. There's no way I'm going to be able to surf. When they overcome that, when they achieve that, that brings them then to the next level of, well, wait, now what can I achieve on land? I had people tell me they applied for college. They tried out for the cheerleading team or basketball team, things that they weren't going to do. But because they just surfed 10 waves and didn't think they would even get one, they felt invincible. And that was, you know, that's really powerful, right? Like giving children, youth, our youth, that sense of accomplishment and efficacy. And that's really what's happening, right? Is that self-efficacy of, oh my gosh, I didn't think I could do this. I did do it. Now what else can I go do? It is really special. And you're absolutely right. Just be go just go out and be a part of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. You'll feel a lot of the healing powers out there without a surfboard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll put all the details of the International Surf Therapy Organization in our show notes, ways for people to get involved, ways for them to contribute. I do want to thank you for welcoming me into this community and your friendship. And I just look at all, look really look forward to all the work we'll do together going forward. Well, as well, you, I am one of your biggest fans, Larry Harper. I, I love you and I'm so grateful to have you in my life. I'm a better person because I know you. Thank you. All right. Be well. have just enjoyed an episode of the Good Tidings podcast, highlighting the goodness in people. To learn more about and to support the Good Tidings Foundation, log on to goodtidings.org. This monthly program is brought to you by the generosity of responseresponsibility.org. Don't miss out on the Good Tidings podcast by reviewing and subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.